Hey, this is Ross Payton with Roleplay Bubble Radio. This is RBBR episode 137, JoJo's Compelled Aspects. Uh, we're going to be talking about player disadvantages using fate and uh, anime, particularly JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, as a lens. Uh, thank you, Sean, for that term. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, to examine why player disadvantages are, in fact, awesome, and you should use more of them in your game. This is a player-facing episode. So uh, Tom is not here. He is on... Uh, vacation. He is elsewhere in the country. So flying uh, as he is wont to do. Yes, so. uh, powered by uh, his own flights of imagination. No, he's on a plane. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's he how the jet set. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but we have Aaron and Sean here. Hey. Yay! Yeah. Uh, and they're not even going to give me any shit about my announcer voice, and that's great. Why would I do that? Because we can do the announcer voice, too. Oh, there we go. So, uh, so yeah, before we get into that, a bit of news. Um, as you've already noticed on the feed, uh, Mix 6, uh, Caleb, Spencers, and I, uh, well, me do, being the producer uh, of it, uh, uh, podcast is up. The Patreon is up. I'll have a link to there on the show. This is a separate entire podcast with its own feed, its own Patreon, uh, its own everything. Uh, I will. I am working on it. I um, and so is in the process of butting off. So we we will not mention the mix six on RPPR <laughs> anymore. Uh, th- it's not going to be on the same feed. So you need to subscribe to that. We're in the process, hopefully soon, of getting it on iTunes and all that other junk. And um, yeah, so that's just something to think about. Yeah, uh, uh, please. Yeah, please give them a listen and support Caleb and Spencer on this new project and producer Ross and me to a lesser degree. Yes, because uh, <laughs> I'm doing all the technical work. Because <laughs> I'm the one who knows how the microphone. They'll, they'll like nudge him with a stick so every once. Through a power. They'll the nudge him with stuff. a stick every once in a while in the back to see if he's alive. I get to say things occasionally on well, the you know. podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, buzzed and uh, and drawn Caleb and Spencer are always entertaining to be around. So. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, uh, enough about that. Let's get to on to the show. Um, I got the idea for this a while ago while I was watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, like you do. Which is a great anime series. Uh, in part three particularly because um, one thing, it, 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 for me, obviously, as someone who has written a fate role-playing game, it was like, holy shit, this is so fate, like in terms of aspects and compels and invocations. Um, and... I just then I realized this could be a great way to just. I know I uh, I notice a lot of times when I'm running fake games, especially at conventions, that a lot of players have a hard time picking up on it or like understanding. Uh, and certain players, and but I mean the players that do pick it up have a great time, but the others are like, I don't like you know they, they may get a bad idea of fate. Um, and so explaining why um, fate and using player disadvantages in a larger context for other role playing games is actually a great way to encourage role-playing and to have a better game uh, can be explained through JoJo because in part three, particularly it's incredibly structured in that every single goddamn episode, practically every single goddamn episode is enemy of the week. Yes. yes. Uh, here's a guy that wants to stop JoJo and his friends or uh, a woman or a gorilla or whatever. And uh, gorilla? a yeah, baby. Yeah. Uh, a baby. Yeah. Uh, evil baby. Evil baby. That was a two-parter. Uh, yep. Yes, it was. It was a great one. <laughs> and JoJo, no matter how many times JoJo have gone through crazy and his friends have gone through crazy bullshit, they fall for the enemy's tricks every single goddamn time. Well, to be fair, a lot of times it's they'll pick a member of the group that um, has a specific fault that gets called upon very quickly, which, yeah. as you were pointing out, fits very well with calling out aspects in the fate system. So, you know... Uh, 
For example, Joseph is a blowhard. He's always going to try to impress people. He yeah. also has the mechanical hand, which keeps getting used against him. It's never been an advantage in part three. Not really. Just put, well, uh, he used it to block one or two attacks, I think. Right, but usually it was that his hand was getting taken apart at some point by yeah. someone. <laughs> so that kind of thing. Or magnets, how do they work? Um, actually, before we get into that, we All should right. actually get into a, a larger discussion of like you know player disadvantages okay, yeah. um, and why – uh, and fate in general, because not everybody's going to be familiar with fate yeah. as a role playing game. Um, player disadvantages obviously have been around forever, you know, for a long time in role playing games. Uh, GURPS is obviously one of the big older systems that uses uh, disadvantages. Right. And in most role playing games, the way it used to work, and in some role playing games to this day, um, the way it used to work is that if you take it a disadvantage, at character creation, you then get some sort of benefit to compensate for it. Usually, like in GURPS, you would gain additional character points. You know, like, oh, being blind in one eye, that's 10 points. Have 10 points to spend on being a forger sniper or whatever. Right. Uh, um, or if you're going in Old World or Darkness on your character creation, too, you could get more dots when you needed that. Well, yeah. so more freebie points. The idea yeah. was that in character yeah. creation, uh, that's, it, was, it was all front-loaded. Yeah. It was all character creation, so you could start as a bigger badass. But down the line, the goal was always to pay it off. Right. Unless you were a really good role player. Now, the problem with that is this puts more burden on the GM uh, in order to be like, oh, there's um, like uh, the GM has to keep track of all these disadvantages. Yeah, even if you're with like three players. Then it's like three players each have their unique disadvantages, and this is all while you're trying to run a plot and everything else. And so it was very common, at least in my experience, that the play the GM forgot about those disadvantages, and players would just not remind them. <laughs> the players would be oh, like, yeah. "Oh yeah, I'm see, I, uh, actually this uh, the Lasombra vampires have a, a price on you know they put a price on my head, and so this Lasombra we're talking to should just try and kill me right now. I'm not going to mention that. No, yeah, <laughs> uh, that kind of brought up the old that old distinction of real. Men, real role players, and munchkins, and all that stuff. You yeah, know, the real role player would be the guy who's latching on to those disads and trying to hammer it home yeah. every ten seconds. Um, so, I mean, so that was the, and so people kind of realized that this was sort of a kind of an imbalance on the GM's uh, part. And the new way of doing things, or the newer way, the, the different philosophy is the. Uh, has, I don't know which system did it first, but it's most typified in Fate, where. You have aspects, which are little phrases that describe your character, you know, like ladies' man or uh, obsessive scholar or any number mm-hmm. of kind of traits. And um, you can use them in two ways. One is to invoke them by spending a fate point, and then you use that to gain an advantage in multiple different ways. You gain a bonus on a roll. You could even re-roll, or you could, like, gain some sort of mechanical uh, – some sort of specific effect in game, like knowing somebody in a particular – like, oh, I'm from this city, so I- I'm a native of Chicago. So I know a gangster in Chicago. I'll just spend a fate point to know this guy. Um, on the other hand, then there's compels in which uh, you are put at a disadvantage – and you gain a fate point. Um, yeah. And so, ladies, man, okay, you're going to hit on this woman who is clearly a Lasombra assassin, you know, who is clearly here to kill you. But you're going to be oblivious to that and just try and, you know, buy her a drink. And then she's going to literally stab you in the back uh, yeah. because I have not been more obvious about this. And be like, yeah, no, I want that fate point. Uh, <laughs> and so 
that is the and that that puts the work on the GM can force can make a can compel a player when they remember it, but then the players could also call for compels, which is nice too because not only does you're right that takes the load off the GM, but that also prompts for more good character and storytelling prompts mm-hmm. on the side of the players. Um, and I know in our PPR game, especially this has really come up in our upcoming Base Raiders campaign, yes. game nine, <laughs> uh, when uh, Caleb and ba- basically everybody at the table really embraced, uh, uh, can I get a compel for this? And uh, just ra- uh, racking up the uh, fate points. Um, because in terms of narrative structure, this is uh, this sort of emulates typical adventure or genre fiction where like the hero suffers a lot at the beginning and then especially in anime it's always like the hero's getting his ass kicked the entire fight until he's like aha i figured out your secret weakness and i'm gonna do i'm gonna pull some bullshit out of my hat and totally you know uh destroy you or you forgot this one little detail or just beaten down till the next power up comes and oh, yeah and or like oh i must perse- persevere because of the power of my friendship you know i can't <laughs> let so i'm gonna blow eight fate points at once yeah and knock you in literally into the moon um <laughs> And so that's so. Now the problem, and so that's how, so that's how fa- uh, uh, compels you know player disadvantages work. Uh, in I mean there are other disadvantages. You know there are uh, you can put flaws on superpowers in base raiders, for example, and there's other things like that. But that that's the core in all fate games. They pretty much have that. That's yeah. that's sort of a fundamental aspect of fate. And in uh, I've noticed a lot of players. Some players will always embrace this, but some players really are hesitant to put their character at any disadvantage. They don't want anything bad to happen to their character or they 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 don't trust the GM at all. And so they think if I mean maybe they're used to like D&D killer GMs who would use that to screw them over and uh it's really unfortunate cuz fate is not like it's not the fucking tomb of horrors. No. Yeah. And I think that's also important too with any kind of gaming to get somebody else into a comfortable mode where they realize that failure isn't the worst thing that you can yeah. still have a fun time while not being while not having to succeed or at at the very worst be the special snowflake hero of the entire. Well, uh, yeah, it kind of goes into that whole game versus narrative aspect. Yes. Uh, I mean, you we're still playing playing a game, but the older games were very game centered. I know I'm covering very basic things here. I know. Yeah. But, you know, they're very game-centered. And as things developed, um, narrative became more important. More people were open to it. It's not that nobody ever did it. Yeah. Again, to go back to GURPS, there were legendary games of GURPS in some of his, you know, alt-history historical setting played by a bunch of people who are like inveterate, you know, plot. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, all yeah, of the yeah. plots. And they're playing up their dissents right and left. And then there's those games where it's like, yeah, he wanted some disadvantages, so he took gigantism, bloodlust, and sadism <laughs> yeah. for his combat monster character. You know... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the things let me be more of a badass and give me an excuse to attack other player characters. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Um, but can giganticism just give you a weak heart so you finally explode? See, well, that would be the fate aspect of it. Is like like big muscles, weak heart. Yeah, that's the other thing. That's the difference between fate and GURPS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, GURPS is very much like trying to simulate... Uh, reality. I mean, it's a re- like it's trying to like yeah. it's very disc- it's very like here's the formulas for you know how these things work and these powers have specific mechanics where fate is more narrative where you it's more based on context. You know, like okay. a gigantism aspect in fate could be used to invoke that, but in GURPS, if it's not written in the gigantism uh, flaw, 
it's the not player be like, you can't do that. You can't just add new rules to it. That's bullshit. It's, you know? it's pretty crunchy. Yeah, it's very, very crunchy. I mean, especially if you, depending on how many supplements you add onto it. Oh, yeah. Um, so in JoJo, uh, in every single part, uh, characters have very specific traits, very specific aspects. Uh, so let's talk part one. So that's because that's the one we've all seen. Yes. Um, <laughs> And so, like, the main character, Joseph Joestar, uh, or uh, that's his name. Jonathan. Right? Jonathan, Jonathan Joestar. Not Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not Johnny, though. Yeah. Different guy. Uh, like, one of his aspects would be uh, chivalrous nobleman or, you know, yeah, uh, definitely, gentleman. Yeah, definitely that. Uh, uh, when he was a kid, though, but, yeah. yeah, as he got older, he became the very picture of a Victorian gentleman. But yeah. in, the, in that case, I think it could be even modified to both like negative and positive to chivalrous to a fault. That's yeah. the so, point though. Well, that's the thing. That's why it's an aspect. So yeah. like I would say, for example, he was compelled. Uh, he gained fate points uh, when he decided to trust Dio for despite all the evidence. Quite a few times. Quite a few times. <laughs> or when he attacked those bullies that he couldn't win. Uh, right. And it's that chivalry right yeah. there. Um, he, Invoke the aspect when, for example, uh, when he was fighting, um, <laughs> God, I can't even think of his name. Um, was the, it the big vampire or the little vampire? No, 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 the, not the vampire. Oh, okay. The, um, are you talking about the, uh, the guy with the top hat. Oh, Speedwagon. Oh. Speedwagon. Oh, yeah. Robert so when he fought Speedwagon, he invoked that aspect to so impress Speedwagon that Speedwagon decided to become his ally. That was a social attack. Yeah. 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 It worked pretty well. Uh, well, I would say it was, yeah, you can, well, I mean, invoke, he took, he took, he uh, took all those fate points to well, win him over. He was given like probably some, like some kind of invoke that said, well, you can gain fate points for your big social role, but you'll have to lose uh, health points. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so yeah, so that that's that's one way of it working out. So he it so impressed the street thug, this this criminal, that he was so uh, strong and gentlemanly, and so he, he's like, I will give up my life of crime to help you because <laughs> yeah, it was so hard. Uh, that was and he impressed everybody in like London's crime alley. But like, well, we don't mess with Joseph anymore. Yeah, Please, it's jo- called Jonathan, Ogre Street. Yeah. Yeah, Ogre's, goddamn it, Ogre Street. <laughs> Ogre Street, yeah. Oh. So, uh, on the other hand, the villain, the antagonist, Dio, certainly has aspects. Uh, yes, well. his primary is Heathcliff Incarnate. <laughs> yeah, we discussed this earlier. That, that. No, yeah. Well, I mean, but no, uh, Wuthering Wandering Heights was a huge influence, I think. Oh, I mean, yeah. Everybody always says Fist of the North Star meets Dracula. Dio's tale is is really, as Aaron said, Heathcliff's tale in that respect. Yeah. He's invited into a home. He grows up. He feels like he needs to take it over to prove how, much, you know, how awesome he is. And he kind of almost succeeds. Yeah, yeah. No, the he, house of Joestar is ruined. Oh yeah, it's yeah. He, he uh, in this case, spoilers for for it. Yeah, he's uh, almost poisons him before Joseph because uh, he sent Joseph out into uh, Ogre <laughs> Ogre Street. No, no. In jo- order- uh, Jonathan went out there by, on his own accord. Yeah, Jonathan. Um, I said Joseph didn't. I to find yeah. the cure. Because so, he noticed something but I mean, the main like well, they, let's talk about, like let's see here. Uh, his aspect would yeah could be obsessive rivalry, mm-hmm. um, or um, uh, actually an aspect would be ideo. Ideo, yeah, yeah, because everything sure. is about him. He's he's very yeah. much he's self centered. Yeah, yeah. If it's 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 what I want to do goes. Otherwise, f you. And that actually carries on to a lot of compels and aspect calls. Mm-hmm. Um, and also little tiny details like, why would you make a cat with a human head? Because <laughs> I, Dio, wanted a cat with a human head. What? That you immediately destroyed once it mal- bad mouths you. <laughs> because he mouthed off to that could I, be That could have Dio. been a compelled. You, lost, you lose one of your minions for the next scene because you've destroyed them in a fit of exactly. petty anger. So Yeah, exactly. Um, <sighs> yeah, and so... 
this kind of fuels the narrative. And so, um, on a larger sense, uh, like every single fight in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure follows the same structure, uh, where it's almost an entire, you know, uh, very like the hero ge- keeps getting compels against them uh, as their their strengths are turned into weaknesses, and mm-hmm. uh, until they can have enough fate points to like, I'll use this fate point to do this, 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 you know, I'll spend all these fate points to gain a bunch of situational advantages over it, and then I'll make one attack and defeat them in one punch. Uh, yeah, and actually. Uh- that probably would be really well personified in uh, Baron uh, Zeppeli's uh, uh, final moments, too, where mm-hmm. uh, I could probably almost put that as the aspect I've seen the form of my doom. Yeah. And yeah. I, he knows it's all going to Jonathan's benefit, so he just builds that up. He gets keeps getting his arm uh, messed up. He mm-hmm. will uh, it's like keep getting... Uh, Killed uh, his ass kicked by the uh, witch of her Tarkus, Tarkus, Tarkus yeah, Tarkus, until the point where he which is a metal man too. Obviously. Yeah, he is a metal man. Yeah. Um, until the it's point where also he... an album by Emerson Lake and Palmer. I thought it was a full uh, okay. Uh, what's the one with the armadillo tank? That is a prog rock uh, album. Okay, okay. Uh, I think that. Oh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about now. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, but yeah, till the point where he goes, to Jonathan says, "Well, I give you all my power to go forward and yeah, and that transfer one transfer fate points." Yeah. Uh, yeah, or to build up a bunch of situational uh, uh, aspects. Yeah. Uh, because then uh, fate aspect can also be like for the scene, True. for the environment. And or, that would make sense because in this temporary one... temporary aspects. So here's my last ripple aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and that makes sense because uh, for context of the listeners, uh, they Jonathan was chained up to Tarkus. Uh, <laughs> in a very elaborate death trap. elaborate death trap, both by their necks. Essentially, think of the, uh, the chain... That uh, uh, Brock Samson was chained to and uh, to bear uh, Baron Underbite. Yeah, and if you haven't seen any of those, it's fine. Yeah, so <laughs> don't worry about it. Just watch JoJo. You'll, yeah. you'll be fine. He'll be fine. Or watch the Venture Brothers. Um, <laughs> and you could say he spent his last fate, fate point to invoke. Uh, I know my fate. Uh, that aspect, in order to say, I want to. I want to be able to. I'll be dead, but I want to be able to give one last speech before I like really die for realsies. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, the GM might have even just given that to him for free. True, because uh, so. it, it was pretty awesome. It was yeah. pretty awesome. Um, so I think, um, in general, like player disadvantages, uh, of course that, that meant that, you know, his character had to die, for example. So like, mm-hmm. oh, well that, that kind of sucks. But, um, obviously someone, new characters came in immediately afterwards. Right. Well, I mean, also with fate, so, I mean, one of the tongue, big things. petty. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, the, the thing about fate is that, yeah, you do not get killed off. Normally. Well, in, in extreme cases, you're just out of the scene, yeah. but you can elect to be killed, have that character killed off. Yeah. So uh, you do have narrative control over that. So maybe some. Yeah, he wanted that in order to bring in a new character and also to have a complete arc for Baron Zebuli. So right. Yeah. So in, in, uh, ultimately, it's to the structure of the narrative that makes it richer and more entertaining for everybody. So. So. Um, in general, yeah. I mean, we could talk also about other anime series too, but I think. Uh, I mean, that. What would you say to some? How would you encourage players to take more disadvantages or to like invoke them in play, to compel them in play? Um, and again, like other systems have ways of doing this. In Eclipse Phase, for example, you have motivations which you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, same in Red Markets, for example. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, looking at it through the anime lens, uh, are there any other structural uh, elements that you would have? Um. I'm trying to think of the uh, the elements because you're giving that for basically the, the end up uh, or, or sorry finding the advantage of the situational yeah. ones. Um, one we mentioned for <laughs> in the lens of base uh, of anime is uh, like the power up, just yeah. building it up to the point where you get the situational one. Uh, 
uh, going with the, the very I mean, basic. You could say the power up is just gaining more fate points. Um, That's true. Because, so. uh, like, okay, so one thing, I know you haven't watched part three yet, but, like, yeah. part three introduces other protagonists other than uh, the latest Joestar um, guy. Because the latest, because the, the Joestar guy it, as a character in the part three is very flat. He is a very archetypal, super tough guy, Fist of the North Star type. The, the, the Jotaro, for the record, is specifically based off of Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Literally based off of Clint Eastwood. Uh, so he says very little, and he's very stoic and very tough, and he doesn't, and he's not, re- he's never really portrayed as being too foolish in any example. Uh, he'll trust people to see where this is going. Yeah. But then he'll also have to sit there and think of some cheesy one-liner at the end of it. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> he writes a dude an ass-kicking receipt. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think I've seen that one. Um, so, but the other thing is they, uh, you can, uh, at least from my interpretation of the series, is that the author was getting kind of bored with that. So he introduced other protagonists who had more recognizable, more exploitable character flaws. <laughs> and then he based, like, the anime is more about them, at least by the halfway point, than it is about uh, Jotaro. No, uh, I mean, yeah, Jotaro's there for, like, he's there for the final battle. Everybody else is getting these great character moments. Polnareff, especially, yeah. gets so many compels. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about him. So in part three, okay. one of the characters is uh, a Frenchman uh, named Polinar. Oh, is he, is he the one with the 12-mile high hair? Yes. Yeah, okay. Which is awesome. Uh, and he is on a quest for revenge uh, <laughs> because an enemy stand user killed his sister. The man okay. with two right hands. The man with two right hands. So that's a pretty, you know, that's a. Those are a couple aspects right there, you know. Uh, that get compelled frequently. Yeah, he, he's also a ladies' man. Uh, he's also very foolish. Uh, and he has a weird thing about toilets. Yeah, I'm that's not a running gag. It's yeah, it's a running gag. No, uh, it gets it gets it gets thrown into his compels a lot. Yeah. So so his quest uh, puts him um, at odds with the other group uh, a lot because first he's an enemy. Um, because he was, of course, every single character is introduced because they're being mind controlled by Dio. Because Dio has oh Dio, Dio, Dio comes back really yeah <laughs> that, he's literally the enemy for like the rest of the series I and think. that could be the Dio aspect. Yeah. I always re- they always come well, back. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that direct. Anyhow, well, that's more of a campaign aspect because okay. like, there are campaign aspects in uh, a yeah. lot of versions of Fate. Um, so Polnareff, he has this quest, but he's also very foolish. So a lot of the episodes are like entirely based on enemies using these compels against him. Uh, so Polnareff, he obviously spent almost all of his refresh uh, in order to have a really badass stand uh, oh, yeah. to do all his fighting. And so he doesn't have very ma- many fate points on his own. So he has to get these compels in order to do anything. I mean, badass. it moves like almost light speed. It has an armor power up. I mean, yeah. it's a mm-hmm. badass stand. It stabs things. That that's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. Um, it can again, it can move literally at the speed of light. Yeah. So he. So in terms of a scenario, so like an average thing would be like the like we'll we'll just talk about a, not an exact episode, but like sort of a, if you had Polnareff. Actually, yeah, let's do this as yeah. your GMs. Okay. Um, if Polnareff was your player in a game, how would you? So knowing okay his characteristics: quest for revenge, ladies' man, foolish, mm-hmm. uh, f- frequently gets attacked in toilets. Um, that, so those like are a, four, like four, four aspects, uh, and he also has this superpower of. Uh, you know, uh, summoning a sand, uh, an armored guy, a knight with a sword, super strong sword, super fast. It's called Silver Chariot. Yeah. And so knowing that, Aaron, you not having to okay. actually watch his act, yeah. like, how would you design, how would you run him as a character? 
I mean, as a as a as a GM, for, and then as a player, like how would you? Okay, so in that case, player. So yeah, what kind of adventure would you run for him? Uh, what adventure would you run for him? Oh God. So uh, this one like gives attacks and toilets, ladies' man. Well, that quest for revenge. Quest for revenge too. Uh, God, I can almost just see him constantly. If these ladies' man, he's funny this guy. Constant, never-ending stream of nightclubs okay. where he's trying to track down the person who killed his sister because he's obviously a serial killer going through that. Yeah. He constantly gets distracted by this woman who is going to inevitably be an assassin mm-hmm. draws him into the bathroom and he gets attacked in the toilet there you so, go so that's yeah. about right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that was that's very true to form and so like uh, or they tried to use the toilet as like an extra dimensional portal to suck him down because that toilet can be a stand user as far as oh, I know in JoJo there you go <laughs> there yeah. was one object to stand user but that's a part four god damn um, it yeah. I was joking <laughs> listen Aaron so you can ask Paul anything just make shit up and if anybody who's read, even through part seven, I'm like only through part way through part eight. I was waiting for it to finish up. Yeah. Um, and there's a respectable chance the person will go, yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for you, how would you run an adventure for Polnareff? And again, part of it is I, I'm going to have to kind of back off a tiny bit because I know his adventures. Um, the typical thing would be to lure him into a place that we know some woman's, woman's going to be sitting by herself. Mm-hmm. But the lure is he's heard that somebody there has information. So obviously you start off with that big yeah, first quest. Will, you know, definitely go in there. The rest of the group's like trying to pull him back into the main quest or assist him so he'll just cut this crap off already. Mm-hmm. That's how you get the rest of the group in. Yeah. Um, he's going to be blind to the fact that the woman that he decides to talk to, who will weirdly have the information, is going to know a little too much about the quest, about Polnareff. And the rest of the group has a chance to try and do things. But Polnareff gets all those wonderful compels to just brush them off. Because mm-hmm. there's actually, yeah, that's a, that's another big thing is like um, a lot of this anime series is based on the characters not recognizing that they're in an anime or that they're that the tropes are happening around them. They right. blithely ignore so many warning signs. Well, I mean, a lot of the episodes are literally based off of uh, horror movies. Yeah specifically horror movies. I mean, you can sit there and go, that's inspired by Trilogy of Terror part whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I was looking at least at the first one, seeing some of the Hammer influences there. So. Yeah, it's right there because Araki is a big fan of like horror movies, music, that kind of thing. So it, it all shows up. But yeah, yeah, the big thing is make a point of if it's definitely a JoJo-based campaign going, throwing out all the tropes and looking right, looking the player right in the eye and saying, yeah. I'm going to offer you a compel to be ignorant. Yeah. And the player has to make a decision. Do I game the system or do I accept the fate point to do something stupid? Yeah. And then and I think that's the better consideration, too, because, yeah, sometimes you don't want to do that. You can have the arguments that, yeah, this this one situation, my character won't do this. But by taking it later on, you give service to the narrative and give yourself the chance to pull off that cool move later on. Well, one thing to keep in mind is also because in anime um, – like it's not D and D. Characters aren't just like the thing is. Play, a lot of players start out with D and D and war game kind of based RPGs where characters can die at literally anything. Yeah, and so they develop this kind of par- or paranoia, and right. that kind of doesn't help them. Uh, it influences yeah. their decisions. It, it doesn't like help I... them with this kind of more narrative structure. Well, yeah, I've, uh, seen, a lot, I've actually seen a lot of people who weren't used to fate try and jump into it. Now that I've gained more experience. Um, and there, a lot of players have this mentality of if, if they're trying to run fate or play it, 
um, they still remember the antagonism of player versus GM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a thing. That was a real legitimate thing with the GM wringing his hands and, ma I'm evil. And the player is going, I will defeat you, GM, and defeat you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people are still locked in the mentality, and they don't step out of it very easily. There's a lot of systems now that, not just fate but others, that really encourage a, a stronger collaboration. Yeah. Actually, Monster of the Week itself literally ex- explicitly states – Tip to GMs, be your player character's biggest fan. Yeah. Yeah. Or I the, like that. Or the other collaborators, too, like Puppet Land, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely, yes. That, that was great. As uh, we will plug this. Yeah. No, Puppet no, Land. No, it was a fantastic. It's out now. Yeah. It's fine. Out now. So, actually, so one thing I thought of uh, as an adventure, if I was running a game for someone who was running Polnar off as a character, mm-hmm. um, would put sort of a complication on his quest for revenge, because that's his primary motivation, uh, is to get revenge on that uh, guy who done killed his sister. Um, now, he also has kind of a code of honor. He he does believe in... Um, he's not quite a chivalrous gentleman, but, I mean, he he's more... If he gives his word on something, he's pretty much going to stick with it. Uh, would you say that's pretty fair? Uh, fairly. I mean, it's also just he weirdly has a thing about fair fights. Yeah, fair fights. The, yeah. the, fair, the, the illusion of the fair fight is the thing that comes up a lot in well, most anime, really, where some guy goes, well, I see you've been weakened. Let me just drop a few advantages to make this some more even so I can beat your ass myself. Er, yeah. You know. Yeah, no one else step in. I'm going to fight. This yeah, guy. drop right. your toys. Let's no, fight man to man. Nobody gets to kill him but me. Yeah. That kind of thing. Uh, so one thing I would do is first introduce an NPC uh, into the game. Um, let's say a woman, just to, so we can evoke that ladies' man thing, that uh, actually saves uh, Polnarov's lives. He act- or warns him of some danger, something like that. They don't know each other; they're strangers. Um, and then says, "I have to go on, be on my way over here. Uh, thank you." And you know, Polnarov is very grateful, and so I'll give you, uh, you know, uh, I'll give you a fate point. So no fate points are spent yet. It's just you know, you get this warning. So all right, good job. Then later on, he finds out, oh, the 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 man I've been looking for uh, is or someone on that. Uh, you know, the per- uh, there's a person I need to get to in order to advance my quest. Yeah, maybe it's my target myself, or maybe it's his friend or someone who knows him. Uh, but standing in his way is actually that woman uh, who has actually sworn loyalty to that guy because maybe he saved her life earlier on. And so now Polnarov is put – now he will gain a compel if he's – all right, I'll just give you a compel point if you can't do anything because you don't you have these two conflicting desires. One, to pay off the debt you have to this woman uh, by not attacking her. And two, you have to get – you have to get past her. Uh, she's bodyguarding this guy that you have to get to. So, and setting up the impossible choice yet again. Yeah, setting up the impossible <laughs> choice. So, because um, that's also a very JoJo thing, I think, is there are a uh, lot of... There are impossible choices. And actually, one of the funnier things, I guess, really, in the later part of uh, part three, yeah. Jotaro become he, he takes the back row and lets everybody else get all those fake compels and build yeah. up you know, things. Jotaro, if he was a player, is that guy who's sitting back and letting everybody else do the heavy lifting and jumping in with a powerful character last minute and doing the Gordian Knot solutions. Yeah. Um, one example, I guess, are we, are we allowed to do that many spoilers for this one? Uh, well, I'm only going to, uh, like, halfway through part three. So. Okay, so I won't spoil it then. At some point, everybody else is just going along with an illusion, and he just goes, no, fuck it. Yeah. Punching it. Um, is that the sun? Uh, uh, no, it's... Because I have seen the sun. I don't think it's an actual stand user. I can't remember Okay, now. It's in Dio's palace. Okay, yeah, I haven't so. got that far. Um, Dio so, has a palace. Deal with it. Well, of course he does. Well, God, in the first one, he had he literally had the the 
Castlevania castle. <laughs> he really is. And I looked yeah. at it and went like, that's off the cover of the game. Yep. Well, uh, you know, early manga was fairly derivative. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough. And so, they just didn't Which I'm sure that was derived from somewhere else, but that's where I remember it from. So. It was Probably. cool. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, that, that actually introduces, you know, an interesting sort of, like one thing is like putting multiple aspects or multiple, uh, against each other. So like if you have a character who's yeah. now conflicted over, not just that they're put at a disadvantage, it's that it becomes an internal conflict and that it creates an interesting role playing game because then, uh, the player can't resolve it on their own. The other players have to step in, but then like, there's a lot of great role playing. It's like, okay, do you want us to go? Uh, we can go attack this woman. No, you can't attack her. I owe her my life. Well, wait, well, that guy, you need to talk to, the, you need to deal with that guy, right? Cause he has, cause that's where he goes, yes, ah, what do I do? So like, then it becomes an entire adventure just dealing right. with this conflict. Yeah. And so the other players are trying to jump in, find ways around it, or one guy's got another complication. Well, maybe we can sneak past her, you yeah. know, maybe we can talk to her. Maybe right. we could trick her. You one know? guy's like, oh, I can't. I can just push her out of the way, but I can't hit a woman. So yeah. like, he's like, well, that will be a thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, and, or maybe like she, maybe another character is like this. Uh, this bodyguard woman is also uh, the only one who's supporting an orphanage. She's using her bodyguard right. wages to support an orphanage. Like, well, uh, you're too honorable. Why do you have to work with that guy? He saved my life. And they're you wouldn't to, understand. They're afraid to say anything. Well, too, and yeah. you can actually put that into. Uh, the other anime as well too. The one I can think of, Medieval's Full Metal Alchemist, where um, let's say Ed, uh, one of Ed's primary ones, is the highly protective of family. That's yeah. like biological other ones. So when and spoilers for the first series, when he gets to Sloth and realizes that's the reincarnated homunculus of his mother, the one yeah. they originally created, he has an absolutely difficult time. That's like attacking her in the first part. It's like all right. If you're a character, take that aspect. Uh, uh, it's like take uh, the uh, compel for that that you can't attack her in the certain. You're completely frozen until he builds it up to the very end. Where it's like, all right, I'm yeah. gonna finally spend all these to do my super move mm-hmm. and take you all out. So, um, and so that and that's more dramatically satisfying as a player and as a GM than I'm just gonna. Okay, well, I make my will save to attack my you know homunculi mother. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, well, momunculus, uh, homunculus, yeah, yeah. homunculus, <laughs> a mother. So, <laughs> uh, so really whatever work. it is. So, I mean, I, but again, a lot of players just don't get that. I think. Well, I no. think one of the things that I mean, a way that you can do this outside of the game itself is just encouraging the culture where people tell their game stories, and some people have their stories of, and then I rolled a crit, and it was an auto kill. Those are boring stories, people. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> oh, we played in this game where. And you know, somebody starts describing the character, and instead of talking about how badass they are, they start talking about all these flaws and how it led to some really great role-playing moments. Mm-hmm. I'd rather hear that story. Yeah. If you create the, a character in a game that isn't a power-wank fantasy you know, for how awesome you wish you could be, yeah. and more of uh, the kind of character you like to see in a show, read in a book, that, you know, hear in some kind of radio drama, whatever, some kind of character that you want to actually see, not want to be, I think that could – be a better encouragement, but more people yeah. have to tell those stories. Interesting characters do have flaws. Like, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. the thing we want to avoid, I mean, the thing is a lot of players, they want, to, they, they, you know, a lot of readers and people who consume fiction hate Mary Sue's as characters, but uh, there's a lot of role players who will only play as Mary Sue's. Yeah. Confession. Yeah. I hate Son Goku. Uh, He's boring. Son Goku. Oh, from Dragon, from Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. He's boring to me because it's just like, and then he got another power up and now he's badass. Yeah. 
And he's I, powered by friendship. You know, right. the, you know the funny thing is, is that they yeah, actually, Vegeta's more compelling. As oh, a character. I love Vegeta. He's yeah. great. He's, um, he's yeah. an asshole. Well, um, and, and you know the funny thing is, like this little yeah, spoilers for anybody, but uh, last arc of Super uh, Goku. Well, uh, Goku really didn't get the last hit in. So uh, for this one, it was somebody else. I will not say who. Uh, for this last arc, Krillin. We know. I, w- I wish Krillin God, for the win. I wish. Yes. No. He is. He has absolutely been my favorite character. I know Krillin just, is a fun character, to be honest. He is. A, I it love is. him. But he gets the shit knocked out. I mean, I think TBZ uh, Abridged has the Krillin owned counter. Yeah, they do. Know. And they actually made a joke saying, "Like, do you realize how many? If I had been a say in how many times well, I've been taken out, I would be unstoppable." I know. I know. Yeah. But. So, yeah. But no, it, they have another character, and apparently pissed so many people off that Goku wasn't the one <laughs> that, that didn't land the last strike. Mm, well, that's kind of like lame. I said. So Mary Sue—it's the reason why. For, I know Superman has flaws, but as an early comics reader, I disliked Superman. Yeah. He was just too, right. He's yeah, too Mary, too Sue. shiny, too perfect. Um, Even his compels are boring. Like I, right. Boy Scout, you know, must do the bestest, goodest thing. I at can't all kill people. But you yeah. can also go into the opposite way that the opposite of that, where you have like Batman, who is that's like has flaw, so many flaws, he became perfect on the other side. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, it, and then there's also the point where we all got worn out of the uh, '90s uber edgy, super tragic characters because it all, yeah, yeah, it all just became the same character in yeah. perpetuum. Um, so, but I mean. A good character is going to have flaws, and they're going to be more defined by their flaws than what they're good at. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's true. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is also that they're pick it's quality over quantity. Uh, I know it's in Fate, um, especially in the newer Fate, like versions of Fate, Fate Core. They 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 cut down on how many a- like uh, aspects you have in base raiders. You can have you know ten aspects or whatever, and that and that's fine. But like in honestly, most characters in the base raiders campaign have only compelled a couple of aspects over and over again because those are their sort of more, some aspects are more important than other aspects. Yeah. Um, but it's very tempting to load up on tons and tons of disadvantages. I've seen the opposite too, where like a player has so many special snowflake disadvantages that they try and hog the spotlight all the time. And it that, does happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, JoJo is actually really good about that because they do split up screen time among all the protagonists, uh, especially was, in part three. Part three was very much an ensemble cast as opposed to parts one and two, which were very JoStar set. But part well, I mean, part the- part one and two, they had like. Yeah, it was uh, the Joestar protagonist plus uh, his helpers. Right. It wasn't a team. Part two did add a sidekick for a while that made it more team-like, but you knew he was there to sacrifice himself. Right. Well, he was a rival, too. Spoilers. He was heroic (laughs) rival. I actually didn't really spoil that one for you because he gets multiple sidekicks. Oh, okay. Bam! Yeah. But, um, so like I said, it's it's in the name. That's all I'm going to say for that one. Uh, So... The so yeah, I mean that's the thing is as a, when you're making a player or uh, player character, pick a couple of interesting disadvantages. Not lo- don't load up on them, you know. Don't so. I also think balancing disadvantages among the groups so that you don't have multiple. Oh, you have the same. Oh, I have a tragic backstory. Everybody has a tragic. Or you're not sitting there with team paraplegic. So right. Um, like again, back to the. Uh, Actually, I think Team Paraplegic would be an incredible adventure. Because actually, I think that would actually really work if everyone had the same that same disadvantage. That would be really because then it's about overcoming that, and that would actually be really cool. I think the ways, yeah, different ways. Yeah, that could. could. 
I mean, uh, Crippled Masters is a great kung fu movie. Oh, God yeah. damn it, you were going to bring that up. I knew you if were going to bring that up. Aaron, if he had not, I would have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that actually, coming, overcoming that kind of disability, would for an entire player character group, would be amazing. Well, now, uh, what wouldn't be is okay. if everyone had a tragic backstory and quest for revenge. Especially right, uh, okay, if he was okay. all a different asshole. <laughs> well, like, if there's six players, there's six assholes that need to die. Well, and, okay. with the... Um, okay, to go with Jojo Parts again, yeah. As far as group dynamics, part three was great for it. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. The, one of the best group dynamics I've seen in any JoJo was part four, which is still, I believe, it's coming to a, the animated uh, version is coming to a close. Part four was just an amazing ensemble cast and more of more of a local mystery instead of a globe trot, right? And all the main characters had some overlap in their disadvantages, but their flaws were very strong, defining you know aspects mm-hmm. of them. The new JoJo, for example, one of his cr- crucial flaws was that he was very, you know, vain. Mm. So to, at the point where you, it's this is not a spoiler. Yeah, you insult his hair, he will not just lose his temper; he will just go major psycho on you. So people have to restrain him, or yeah, that's a that's record. a that yeah, a short temper. That's a that's a common flaw, especially in anime characters. Like oh, yeah. obviously, the Full Metal Alchemist right. guy is if you call but him short. Specifically, yeah. even cool. I know that, and I haven't yeah. watched. He's the cool about everything else until you yeah. either mess with his family or talk shit on his hair. Yeah, which they eventually give a backstory to that, but other characters. Of course they do. <laughs> yeah, that's um, another thing I like about well, it. There's a backstory. for Get a run in with Videl so soon. There's a monologue for every goddamn but thing. The best Why do you is, wear that green jacket every day? Well, it was five years ago. It's like, yeah. oh goddamn it! Yeah. Right, but with but with his even better is they drop so many hints that it's supposed to tie into some, like tie into some weird thing and. No, it was just a random incident yeah. that affected his life forever. Yeah, of course. Um, but no, I mean, all the characters have these overlapping sets of flaws, so they their flaws are what bring them together more as a group. Yeah. Um, they can agree with each other because of the way they're being played. Um, it creates more interesting, more alive characters than, I am player character. I go stabby stab. I check. I take 20 check for traps. Yeah. You know. Another thing is... Um uh, to keep in mind that with these complementary flaws, it's also defining what is a flaw and what isn't a flaw. Because uh, that depends on your campaign and the yes. characters, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but like, you know, Red Markets is actually a good example for that because, you know, characters have soft spots and weak spots. And I forget, I always mix up which one, but one of them is like something that would be considered a virtue or a good trait before the, you know, zombie apocalypse. Uh, so soft. soft spots, yeah, yeah, soft spot. So like, it's something somebody- gives a shit about animals. Like yeah. that's that's most people would not consider that a flaw. They would consider that is a noble virtue. Oh, you 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 take care of animals. You volunteer at the animal shelter. That's good for you. Uh, obviously, uh, that might even give you could in fate if you say you know animal lover uh, or gives a shit about animals or whatever. You could use that. To, you could invoke that to make friends with that stray dog <laughs> right. uh, or whatever. And. Um, but that becomes twice as devastating when you lose yeah. any of them. Or if you move, else. I'll shoot this chicken. It's like, well, okay, well, I won't move. You know? yeah. <laughs> no, don't shoot chicken. Um, <laughs> so then we have the fake character for Gonzo the Great. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, you, you, so a lot of character traits, or it could be even like billionaire. Like That could be a disadvantage if your like, character is extremely rich. If like then every time you know like in a uh, a game uh where there's oh well i'm a super hacker i will uh hack your money and then unless you do what i want then oh i'm being blackmailed you yeah. know then uh, or you have or the public face that you're lazy young. mooching relatives who show up and interfere with or your character or you're descending into the dark underworld <laughs> of crime and yeah. you're a known face to be a rich person you're a mark okay there you hard. go yeah. see that would be amazing too with the mooching one i could just imagine sitting here going like well we got to plan out this we have this villain who's coming in the week oh, who's at the door it's the 
goddamn Sackville Bagginsies again. Mother yeah. In fact, as a GM, if somebody, like, next time Tom makes a millionaire character, I'm going to be like, yeah, another another asshole is uh, at your door. It's like, oh, it's your Uncle Steve. I don't have an Uncle Steve. You, he says he's your Uncle Steve. Look, he has proof. And then, like, oh, you didn't max out your detect lie skill? Well, I guess you believe him. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there's a con artist every week. Uh, yeah. Um, or, uh, yeah, I mean, any positive trait could be a negative. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, martial artist. Oh well, guess what? That that drunk frat bro who's wa- staggering down the street is going to pick a fight with you. Or even better, like if you're like a renowned martial artist, how many people are coming out of the that's like the, of the mountains just to fight you this time? So yeah. Yeah, like, you're, you're in a wild west setting. I'm the fastest draw in the west. Mm-hmm. Oh well, the old, shit, brother. Uh, that's like <laughs> the, what's happening. The old Far Side cartoon with the guy who ping pongs. Like now every punk with a pal is going to be coming with you. Welcome to hell, kid. Or even just like you're trying to talk to someone to confide, get them to confide in you. And all right, I'm going to compel. They they just see the coldness in your eyes, and you know realize you're a fucking killer, yeah. and they're not going to uh, give you any information. So yeah, yeah. Um, there's so anything can be a flaw, and anything can be an interesting disadvantage. Well, um, I mean, again, let's go back to the JoJo thing. Yeah, some of the weakest powers in JoJo are some of the deadliest. Yeah, I mean, I once read the description. Somebody made a joke on a forum about JoJo is kind of like. Follow me on this. <laughs> Jojo's overall is kind of like well, once they hit the stands and the powers like that. Sure. Boz Lerman's take on X Men. Mm-hmm. Only in this version, Jubilee is the deadliest person on the planet <laughs> because she'll make your eyeballs explode. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's about it. No, no, especially part three is really good about this because every single villain is a gimmick, uh, <laughs> at least in the first half. And like every fight's a puzzle. Every fight is a puzzle, and then the players have to figure it out. So it's almost you could actually run Jojo in Gumshoe. Uh, very easily. Cause it's actually then, how I read Nice Black Agent Agent Fights are supposed to go is that you're you're not yeah. fighting the vampire, you're solving the mystery of how to stop him. Mm-hmm. So, Which, oh, you know, uh, one of our shout outs, Spectral, is amazing for that. So we'll talk about that okay. in the shout outs. But like, it's literally a Nice Black Agent game. So, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, even though it's ghosts instead of you know vampires. Ghosts uh, can be vampires. Yeah, that's true. They could. Uh, I don't want to discriminate against ghosts vampire or vampires ghosts or vampire ghosts. If you're a vampire, you can be whatever kind of monster you want to be. Right. Well, I mean, if you want to be a Frankenstein vampire, you be a Frankenstein. Vampire. To be honest, vampires were originally ghost stories. You're a ghost um, story. Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is that wrong? It, well, does the holiday story. burn for you? <laughs> Not really. I'm the ghost of Christmas present, motherfucker. There you go. Um, so yeah. So in terms of character flaws. Um, what, what what other advice would you get? Is there any other advice you would give to players who you are like still like oh, I don't want to put my character in a bad spot. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose a fight. I don't want to uh, that kind of thing. I mean, I think everybody still has that little bit of I want to do an awesome thing in the game. Yeah, and the, you've, everybody's been through a session where you were just the bitch monkey of the session. Yeah, it happens. You get over it. But I mean. I mean, I personally, I mean, I get in, I'm still thinking about how do I solve this puzzle? How do I move the, I've been in games where I'm sitting there going, there's no plot happening. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting impatient. I yeah. want to move the plot forward. Uh, so I'm going to act with not only out of character information, but I'm going to try to force things a little bit. Yeah. Um, and actually there's, uh, it's kind of silly the way I put it uh, when I was talking to somebody uh, about this, but when they, they had asked about like my care uh, about characters and their moments, they like, it's wait for your moment yeah, and build it up because I always take a, a, what was Early's line from Firefly when he's talking to Simon he always points the guns like it's not your moment yet doctor <laughs> and that's actually a good example of it that you have uh, you take that episode with 
Simon's trying to get the points on there, and he finally he finally seizes his advantage. He dumps all his points and drops mm-hmm. on early. Yeah, think about that example. Just wait for your moment, build it up, take that disadvantage, and then when you see it, yeah. go for but yeah, it. As far as advice goes, one, you know, don't be afraid to play up a, you know, don't be afraid to actually just play up a disadvantage because that can actually define an entire character. Yeah, some of the more satisfying characters I've ever played. I can look at one or two disadvantages and go, I just played that up, and not only was it kind of fun, not only was it memorable, but it even helped the group on a few occasions. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know. I Yeah, I mean, the main thing, obviously this all depends on having a good GM, to be honest. Uh, yeah. if, you, yes. if you do have a killer GM or an old school GM or someone um, who li- who doesn't understand narrative structure either and will just exploit characters and not let them win even after they've been suffering for a while i mean not let them win but you know uh not give the opportunity not give the opportunity uh then that's kind of hard so uh but i think most gms really want to collaborate on that kind of thing and are will especially those that are playing fate because that's what fate is about um right and and another thing uh so that yeah, obviously this, uh, this advice all depends on your GM. But uh, yeah. one thing is also even in games that don't have player narrative kind of agency things, games like Fate or Eclipse Days or any, or mm-hmm. any of the games we've talked about so far, uh, even games like Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green, which have disadvantages but have no balancing mechanism, uh, and we'll talk about this specifically in the anecdote. Uh, the your the example oh. uh, <laughs> that I'm pointing at Sean, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I did a thing. It can be even if it just puts your character to pure detriment. I mean, role playing games are about telling stories. They're about absolutely. And so even and if you're playing a game like Call of Cthulhu, it's not necessarily a heroic game. It's a game about horror, and that's sort of the the interesting part of it. And I actually have a really good example uh, with one of our players in the Patreon game, the mm-hmm. last one that I ran. Uh, it was a Delta Green scenario that involved the Sean. Um, if uh, insects from Shaga, so uh, yeah. I'm an insect now. Shaga, 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 or yeah, you're right. Shaga is a big. Sorry, Shagath. I said Shaga. I meant yeah. Shaga. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's already in my brain. But uh, better get a flare gun. Yeah, we didn't have one this time around. But but talking about at least player as uh, a player. Um, there's a word I'm thinking about. Uh, disadvantages? Uh, well, disadvantage also, yeah. The Temporary. In Call of Cthulhu, in Delta Green, the, the disadvantages are called so. insanity. Oh, sorry. But disadvantage, but also player agency, too. Th- yeah. This wasn't a bad one. Uh, that This guy, uh, he rolled a critical failure after he had shot the the guy, this, this old agent that the uh, Sean was inhabiting. He took... And I said, all right, you critically failed those. So you, you, you know so there's an inching in the back of your head. And I told him ahead of time, just kind of, I was about to type in saying, you are going to have to roll uh, sand checks to make sure that you're keeping in check until this point. So you're going to hear another voice. He did not do that. He just said, like, no, this sounds like a great idea. This goes for it. He chose to just roll with it <laughs> as part of the character and had an absolute blast with it. And that's another one where, another one where you look to seeing that as a character failures uh, of, a failure for that uh somebody would fight against that saying like no i don't want to do this which is why i gave the option but he saw it as a storytelling opportunity that he wanted to roll with it and see and they eventually killed him but he was happy with what he came with. um yeah actually you know our uh actual play sunset of the king it's kind of entirely based on players missing uh, some sense motive or psychology checks and being like yeah no this is legit let's just uh help this guy make his movie Oh, he's a cultist? Ah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it's like embracing the, the, the 
typical failure, quote unquote, yeah, method, and, uh, mode of Cthulhu. So and it like, could go either way too. Sometimes because I hey, granted, I'll I'll tell on myself now yeah, yeah. <laughs> for one of our games. There's a monster that turned up in one of our Delta Green or Call of Cthulhu games, and Ross said. You're going to look around? I'm not looking up. I'm looking back side to side and back. It's like yeah. metagaming ass. Yeah. Like, yes, I, I cop to it, but... All right, that's fair. Well, uh, so, anyways. But a lot of Call of Cthulhu games do have... And whenever I hear stories about it, the, the really good stuff starts with, and then I felt my sand check. Yeah, <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. So, yeah, you have to embrace the narrative structure of the game you're, you're oh, playing. Yeah. Don't... don't um, and even in a heroic game, sometimes the best D and D stories are the ones where that result in a TPK. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, at somebody, least the more memorable ones. Somebody did some, made some critical error, and then everybody else just goes, "Well, snowballs out of there." So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think I mean that. So just think about player disadvantages and how they're actually not terrible, but awesome, and you should have at least one disadvantage or flaw for every character you play. The seemingly uh, negative things are what really builds the character yeah. as yeah. a person. Absolutely. Just remember, in, yeah, in fate, failure is an option. You know, in, and the reason why, if your character is boring, think about one of the main things in fiction, period, is one of the rules is like, think about what your character is good at, what this char- fictional character is good at, and then make them do the thing that they're worst at. You know, so make the hard assed ad executive who's really good at manipulating people have to deal with his family and emotions. You know, the person, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. It's something called Mad Men. Or, you know, the, the guy who's a brilliant scientist, uh, who, uh, a brilliant chemist. And guess what? He doesn't, he's really good at science, but he has to do crime now in order to pay for all this shit, which he's terrible at lying and manipulating people. He doesn't know anything about that. And he's just a scientist. So, uh, but he so you know that's you know Breaking Bad so um, character flaws drive narrative and yes. role playing games are about narrative like they're about you know telling some kind of story if you don't have flaws what kind of narrative can you have absolutely so um, and I mean just look at JoJo one of the greatest anime narratives of the of uh, our time one of the most influential to be honest that's one yeah. of the scary parts where it was like kind of oh this is crap there's there's a lot of backlash on the, on the internet yeah but it's just like. Guys, this has been around since the 80s, yeah. and every time you see a wacky pose or high fashion stuff sneaking into anime, there's a respectable chance that somebody, some manga artist, just kind of looked back and went, I like JoJo. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and how if Japan is uh, 100% on board with this, how can you not be? Right. So, uh, when we get back, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> when we get back, That's- we'll have uh, shout outs and anime. And we're back. Uh, what from whatever pregnant pause. <laughs> yes, uh, from whatever vaporwave or other music I've chosen to put in there. Calypso. Uh, maybe it won't be vaporwave. Maybe it'll be something different. I do have a vaporwave album that I want. Do you have vaporwave holiday music? Uh, oh yeah, there's that. Okay. So there's that, that, why not? <laughs> um, but no, this is an evergreen episode. This is for around the year. We just happen to be recording in December, so right. Um, Anyways, uh, first off, uh, I want to mention uh, Invisible Cities by Italo uh, Calvino. It is a uh, uh, Italian – he's Italian, right? Um, it is a masterpiece of fiction. Uh, it's quite good. Uh, and it's it's hard to describe the narrative other than it's a series of conversations between Marco Polo and Genghis uh, – and Kublai Khan. Um, and, or is it Genghis? Uh, anyways, um, talking about – as he – 
Marco Polo starts describing these cities that are at uh, the Khan's great empire that the Khan has never visited. And each city is different in a really weird way. And then the, in between these conversations about the cities, they question the nature of reality itself. Are we really who we think we are or are we just too like, oh, you know, poor people imagining these things in, a, in an alley among the trash and refuse? Uh, or do those cities exist? Uh, do I exist? And each section is about like memory or truth or you know each it has a theme um uh, like death or something something like that so so it's a grand thought experiment then it's so. it's it's really cool like every city i don't know it's it's a very every, quick read it's like only 165 every pages. chapter's a liar's conundrum kind of thing or? uh yeah i mean it's just like meditations upon reality and like thinking um hmm. it's yeah it's really good you know, you're like oh in this city um the traders all come to meet and they tell each other stories so they trade their memories with each other and then they leave um and uh, in this city, the the people take the dead and they they've built an exact replica of their city below which, and they pose their dead. But every time they come back, the dead are in different positions, doing different things. So the dead have their own lives. Um, so uh, yeah, this city is built over a chasm uh, and suspended with uh, ropes, uh, and it could fall at any time. But the people continue on, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just a really cool read. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so, um, let's see here. You wanted to talk about something. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's actually uh, one series that I picked back up into the second season called Humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, BBC series was actually, I believe it was based off of a Swedish series. I may have talked about this before. But uh, in the same vein as Westworld that came out, uh, it deals with artificial beings, uh, synths who are set up as more of servants, uh, very human-like that uh, with a small group originally in the first series season that gained consciousness through experiments of their creators and the second season is dealing with the fact that um, at the beginning of the season the uh, one of the escapees releases a code into the system that is now randomly waking up other synths so uh, is an alternative to Westworld despite the fact that it is excellent and you should see that series regardless uh, it that's more of like the human reflection on that world. This is actually more or less about these sense waking up into consciousness, how to deal with it, how they are rec- – that's like reckoning with human emotions and trying to establish connections yeah. while dealing it from an outsider's perspective. And all of the acting is just phenomenal in there. Um, I – I'm very sad the fact that I need to get all the actors' names because the only person I recognize from anything previously is uh, the woman who – I'm trying to remember her character's name. She played Jen in the IT crowd. And, of course, taking a dramatic role is just – she's phenomenal and, again, cool. proving the fact that if you want a dramatic role, you need a comedian. So right. um, in that place. But, yeah, it's – if you would like to see another good series about just, uh, again, consciousness waking up and how you deal with that fact, this is an excellent one to go with. Not uh, the thing about comedians drama um, – this isn't quite a shout-out, but I haven't read the review yet, but I've heard – that there are Village Voice review for Collateral Beauty, the new Will Smith movie, uh, has some really good lines in it about like the, Will Smith is doing that thing where comedians uh, mistake seriousness for not giving the audience anything to give a shit about or something like that. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It looks. Uh, I kind of want to read that review, but that's not quite shy. Anyways, yeah. uh, Sean, you had something. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to go with the uh, movie. Uh, it's, it's an oldie but a goodie. It's one that I thought you know needs to be looked at again, especially in light sure. of uh, – I know this is an evergreen, but in light of relatively recent political events. Um, 
It's a movie called Being There. It was one of Peter Sellers' last movies, made in the 70s. Um, the basic premise is this guy grows up in a house. His name is Chance the Gardener because his name is Chance. And he's the gardener for a very wealthy man. Uh, it's not much possible to give the basic outline of the premise, but he, uh, the old man that had basically raised him to be a gardener and be polite and nothing else, passes away. Well, the children take over the estate, and they pretty much kick Chance out. He's left on the street. The house is from one of those neighborhoods. Remember, this is based in the 70s. It's in a neighborhood, I forget if it was in Washington, D.C. or New York, where the rest of the neighborhood had kind of fallen to crap. Yeah. Buildings were falling down. (laughs) But this one house was kept nice. He walks out of that house with nothing but a suitcase with some basic decent clothes. And it's his journey of basically running into people that are powerful and influential and being so polite, so germane, that they just assume he's agreeing with them. <laughs> and really, Chance is intended to be, in the truest sense of the word, an idiot. He doesn't know what, he doesn't know what he's saying. He doesn't know what he's agreeing kind with. Kind of a candy kind of guy. Right. He's kind of a reflecting board off of Yeah, what happened? Exactly. Yes, he's kind of a reflecting board. He repeats the last few words of your sentence and almost a question or a positive based on what he expects you to want to hear. Uh, that actually reminds wow. me of an episode of Drunk History I watched a little while ago. Talking about um, this guy, I can't remember his name, but he was like a, a con artist who, when he was arrested, wrote up these rules for con artists. Oh, uh, yeah. And it was like one, and the, like three or four of the rules is like listen to what listen to the other person and agree with whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he'll uh, agree, yeah. and then basically he works his way up through the political structure very yeah. rapidly. He's being put onto talk shows, and he's just doing the same thing over and over again. So the audience gets that little hoodwink of, no, he really doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. But everybody in you know in the story is just wild about this guy because he's saying everything and they're just agreeing with everything. Yes, he's the change. We he's the, change, the person who's going to change the country for the better. He knows how politics and economics work. No, he doesn't. <laughs> um, Anyhow, just throw that out. There. Oh, no, that's yeah. good. <laughs> uh, I would like to. Uh, say, yeah, I'll, I'll have to watch it. That actually sounds really. I can look um, it. Cool. Uh, I would also like to mention a comic I've been reading lately, uh, Baltimore. Uh, it's written yes. by Mike Magnola. Uh, it's a uh, dark horse. horse yeah, the, it's like 35 issues out, six volumes of uh, trade paperbacks now. I've read the first three. Uh, it's set in 1916, uh, where the Great War just stopped because uh, vampires uh, happened. Um, and, and in the first volume, you'll find out basically vampires uh, were just these basically like scavengers they're they're greatly weakened at first but then the great war woke them up they started feeding on the battlefields at night until lord baltimore uh he's shot up on the battlefield he's wounded he's lost his leg uh is attacked by one of these things but he's still got some life in him so he stabs it in the eye uh and it's like that blood uh, that that attack awoke the full intellect of the vampire and he's like well you done fucked up now uh i'm gonna go make me a lot of vampires and i'm gonna just you know be an asshole and baltimore's like what no uh and so he is fight looking for the vampire with one eye uh and just going on this quest for revenge because uh, uh, like you do, yeah, like you do. My leg, um, how dare you? Yeah, he has a wooden leg. He has a harpoon, a bunch of guns and pistols and stuff like that. And it's quite uh, a very like 
1916 era, but it's like uh, the war stopped because of the plague, quote unquote, and vampires and shit. And the Inquisition is reformed and is, you know, uh, burning people at the stake. All kinds of other monsters are awakening. Uh, it's not in the Hellboy universe. Uh, uh, yeah, I knew it was separate. So, yeah, uh, separate. But, but it's quite got a lot of the similar themes. Statuary fucking everywhere. Uh, <laughs> creepy statues. Um, and it's quite uh, enter- entertaining ride. It's it's like early weird fiction stuff. You know, The first volume is inspired by uh, William Hope Hodgson, uh, who wrote House on the Borderlands. And the Sargasso Sea stuff, right? Um, well, I was thinking The Borderlands, okay. which I have read. Um and he's one of the inspiration, one of the the authors that inspired H.P. Lovecraft. So, and he Hodgson actually did die in the Great War. Um, so, um, it's really cool. I like it. So, um, anyways, Aaron, you, oh yeah, some yeah. So uh, I had one other thing. Uh, something I've gotten into over uh, the last summer uh, from it because I. Uh, last no, about two years ago, I watched like my first Super Sentai series, mm-hmm. Go Kaiser, which was that. So I've gotten into more of Tokusatsu. Uh, and speaking of kind of maybe using the our uh, tropes or specifically for uh, JoJo, that can say the same thing for a Tokusatsu's anime. Uh, but I'm watching those current Common uh, Rider series, which is like their their lone masked writer of a series called Common Rider X Aid. Yeah, weird name. I know. It's supposed to be medical. The basis of this is that you have a team of doctors who have that's like are fighting what they call the Bugster virus. Something a massive conspiracy from the Ministry of Health that they've covered up to make sure that people don't realize that aliens are infecting them and trying to essentially hatch like eggs from their own bodies. So, like you do. So, the, and the and the way that they give them their powers is that they're giving them what are called game drivers based and forms based off of popular video games from this fictional uh, video game developer company. Basically, imagine if Nintendo gave you a Mario cartridge that turned you into Mario. Okay. So, and it is. Just bizarre, but the reason to I fight alien hepatitis C. Exactly, it is yeah. exactly what you think it is. Okay, um, right. and but the fun thing is that you have the a bunch of other behind the scenes things where the video game company is trying to. We haven't really figured out the reason why they want to promote these games for some other purpose. There's testing behind it, and of course, everybody has the bevy of different character flaws. Like the main sure. one has a, the main character has this. Oh, a split personality that he goes into when he fights, which is another nice night little fate uh, option if you do. The other, you have your general Sundre, uh, I cannot be touched one. You have the jerk ass, two jerk asses right. off to the side. So if you like colorful... Is yet, it on Crunchyroll? Uh, I believe it is on Crunchyroll. I could be wrong. Uh, or else you can you can find suppers if you need to. So yeah, uh, for that, if you, if you want. But check Crunchyroll first. Uh, I want to mention um, one other thing. Uh, well, a couple other things. I know you have something else. Oh, yes. uh, but I want to mention a the Vaporwave album uh, that I want to review. Uh, <laughs> this is... God, oh, what it's a go, good Aaron. one. <laughs> Even uh, the AV Club liked it. So, Onion AV Club liked it. Uh, this is Rain Temple by 2814. Uh, it is a very... It's all. I mean, it, uh, vaporwave is a very broad term, I think, and it's it's more of an ambient sort of cyberpunk kind of late night soundtrack. Of uh, it's mellow, but kind of dissonant a little bit. Uh, it reminds me of Boards of Canada a little bit, and uh, the Silent Hill soundtrack too. Uh, anyways, it's really good. Uh, I quite enjoy it. Um, and twenty fourteen, I like his work. He also did a Bright New Day. Uh, which I've also reviewed on the podcast, I believe. Um, but it's, 
I don't know. I, I, it's it's really great for writing for me. Like I'm writing a lot of red markets, listening to Vaporwave, and this is one of the best Vaporwave albums I've listened to in a long time. So uh, if you want to give Vaporwave a try, you should try Rain Temple. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. Cool. Uh, you can stream it free on Bandcamp. Um, you've been speaking of streaming. <laughs> so okay, um, you know, every now and again, you just can't sleep and. You need, you know, if you're sitting at this TV, you flip through Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and you're like, eh, I haven't watched everything I feel like watching right now. I'm not in the mood. And then something pops up, and you're like, yeah, sure, why not? <clears throat> yep, and you throw it on, and you're just like, this is crap. This is, I hate this part and this part. I'm going to watch the next episode. All right. Um, <laughs> so I've been watching Ice Fantasy on Netflix. It is a long-running, like 60-some-odd episodes, Chinese fantasy epic. Um, the whole setup is that you know it's it's it is a fantasy you know setting. Um, there's the realm of the immortals, and there's different immortal clans. There's the ice clan and the fire clan because Wu-Tang? well, Wu Tang I think comes in later. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> and they're always at odds because the ice clan are good natured people, but they're kind of cold. Hey, the fire clan have horrible tempers, and they're trying to stir shit up. You know, there's like other clans. And sure. It's it's a little bit. It feels almost like the Chinese fantasy, regular made for TV equivalent of Game of Thrones, and that they're trying to give these you know Byzantine machinations behind oh, everything. Yeah. You know, the Fire Clan launches an attack, and it's up to the Scion of the Ice Clan to go to the mortal realm. Yeah. So all the magic looks like they're doing kung fu. All the kung fu looks like they're doing kung fu. Um, <laughs> nine times out of ten, attacks miss, but somebody goes flying. Um, <laughs> Beside, outside of that, though, they've got these great, you know, sweeping, panning shots, and it it feels epic, but you can always pick out tons of flaws. <laughs> so you you want to be infuriated, but it's kind of cool. Okay, um, you know, special effects, makeup stuff, like it's actually pretty good in a weird sort of way. Mm-hmm. So I'm like on episode six now, <laughs> of sixty, of sixty, <laughs> and I'm probably gonna actually finish this one unless it just gets too awful. <laughs> but it's like it's definitely it's not. I've never heard of this. I'm glad you. It, it, it just popped up. Okay. So I so it'll be out there for a little bit by the time this airs. But yeah. Um. If you if if you're not trying to think too hard and you've already been exposed to Chinese fantasy movies, yeah. It's worth a shot. I mean, it's all subtitled too. It's not dubbed. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think there might be a dubbed option. I never check. Okay. I just go. Netflix for sub. seems to be pulling well, I some know, of those up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know people are mixed on sub and dubs, but I know if, if for a lot of people, if they're too tired and they want to watch Netflix, they don't want to read. So you know, I, I've just been seeing subtitles most of my life. Sure. So I'm just used to. You're it. just hardcore. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. And so speaking of Netflix, uh, my last one uh, is Spectral. Uh, the new movie that has been released on Netflix. Um, and one of the actors in it was actually in The Wait, a movie I did some work on last year. Um, oh, cool. the oh guy, yeah. yeah, the guy who's now uh, uh, Detective Riggs in the uh, Lethal Weapon TV series. Uh, he plays one of the special forces. He's not the main character. He's one of the special forces guys assisting the main character. Um, but Spectral um, it was actually slated for release into theaters. And then it got shelved for some reason, and then Netflix got it. So it actually has like a big budget movie, like for special, uh, big big movie budget in terms of special effects. Cool. Um, they shot in Hungary. They you know they have practical effects as well as CGI. Um, and the premise is that um, their U.S. forces are in Moldova during a civil war to protect refugees and whatnot. Um, and then people just start dying. 
for like and uh, if, if you see from the trailer, they're basically it looks like ghosts are running through them, uh, and they just pff, fall over dead. And uh, they have the thing is so the, pro, the 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 movie is about this engineer who builds these hyperspectral goggles, which look in all wavelengths of light. And the special forces units are using them, and they can actually see the ghosts. The ghosts are invisible normally. Um, and they're like, what the fuck is that? And then they get run over and killed. And so the U.S. like tells the guy who built it, come over here. Help us figure this shit out. <laughs> and um, the, so the movie is about him accompanying a team of special forces guys to go into the field and check this shit out and figure out what to do. Uh, and from the trailer, you can see bullets don't hurt these things. Um, Just get ghosts. <laughs> yeah, they're ghosts. Uh, they're murder ghosts. Um, and it's actually a really good movie uh, as a sort of um, procedural, like in terms of like, it's a straight up, like one thing I like is the characters don't really do anything exceptionally like horror movie stupid. Like they don't like, I'll go off by myself and uh, smoke some weed. Ha ha ha. You know, or like, no I'm going to points or yeah, there's no genre points. Uh, <laughs> if it was a slasher, forget, blame, uh, slasher flick game, um, they all behave sort of intelligently based on what information they have. They, no one's like, it, you know, there's no contrived drama. So there are no general like, oh, our tail entire team was wiped out. Let's send in another one. So <laughs> like, it's more like Delta Green than Slash yeah. Flick in that respect. No, it could, no the, the thing is, I don't want to spoil like what the murder ghosts are or what the plot twist is. Uh, but it, this would be perfect to uh, – this is a perfect game of Knight's Black Agent in terms of uh, high action sort of Knight's Black Agent because there is a CIA agent too. There's the scientist and then there's the special forces guy. So you can have multiple character types and then you have the supernatural thing that is killing people. And then, of course, you're in Eastern Europe and like there's insurgents around you and you know uh, weird stuff going on. Um, and it is – yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it for that reason. Um and yeah so uh it's I mean it's, if you already have Netflix you might as well watch it you know Pretty much, it's, yeah. it's an hour and forty minutes so mm-hmm. um I I liked it um but I don't want to say anything else because you know <laughs> there is kind of a plot twist watch it yeah <sighs> okay I'll watch it see what I see um and finally uh we have anecdotes uh and to bring up the disadvantage um i want to bring up uh sean uh from uh i've been running delta green games uh lately and the delta green games i have been running are based on uh i'm running all the published delta new delta green scenarios uh so far i've run kaligata and last things last last thing last is a starter scenario in uh delta green need to know um and that was quite fun i'm also going to run uh, Observer Effect, uh, which is out. Uh, oh, yeah. Shout out to Observer <coughs> Effect. Uh, there we go. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, so I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and But it is it is out. Uh, then Star Chamber, which is out. And then I think there's going to be one or two other. A uh, couple. I know there's a couple of scenarios on Dennis Atwood's Patreon that I'm going to run. Um, but anyway. Anyway. <laughs> um, last things last. The players have a very simple job. To go, uh, Delta, uh, retired Delta Green agent has died. They just have to go through his things and find anything related to conspiracy and take it before his family shows up. Is like, what is this folder talking about murdering people? That's <laughs> that's not good. Uh, what's this green triangle? So uh, this, <laughs> so spoilers for last things last. Uh, first off, oh, we're, pop, we are going to spoil it. Okay. Well, okay, I'm going to spoil it in sort of vague sense. They get to the uh, to a place where they found out the Delta Green agent was not truthful. And there's a monster uh, that's being held underground in an underground location. And um, 
basically it's real bad. And so the players, yeah, you you, you explain from there. Okay, okay. One cap, one little thing, cash to point out. Uh, in the previous scenario, Kaligata, I had just failed so many sand checks because I played a persuasive character in a combat mission. Uh, so he, I, I failed. I like had three breaks. Yeah. So my character was really fucked in the head um, and drunk half the time. So <laughs> it was great. Um, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> hey guys, want to pull up a Jim Beam? What? Fine. I mean, yeah. But but you know, or I think David. One, there was one line about. Well, I don't think we should take you anywhere right now. I'm functional. <laughs> um, but finally, we get uh, after like a lot of incidents because he'd also become a bit of a borderline personality. Yeah, because he was manipulative to start with, and now he's convinced. You know, you have to fight for everything. I'm the I'm the only person who's right. That kind of thing. So he goes from being kind of persuasive and manipulative to just an ass. We get there. The group is just meta, kind of metagaming without knowing the scenario. Yeah. We're like, no, we're just going to pour gas down everything, and we're going to burn the whatever's in this. To be honest, I don't think it's that metagaming, because there's enough foreshadowing to kind right. of... So we're there just, is the letter that says to do exactly that. Well, right. But we are just like, we are finding every tiny little way to make sure that we are not going to be exposed to whatever's in there. Yeah. <sighs> but you fail a sand check. Yeah. Ross says make a sand check and pick an insanity. I was like, eh, bleh, bleh, bleh. I'll call none of these other ones apply, really. Yeah. Uh, so borderline personality. And Ross starts giggling. <laughs> like he does. We hear a voice coming from outside. And or from inside. Oh, from, inside from, from inside. Yeah, it sounds like there's a civilian in the in And the everybody location. else made their sand checks because I'm sitting on a 28. Yeah. Yeah. So what it winds up happening is Ross goes, well, you have to save whoever's in there. I have to save whoever. Oh, fuck. I have to, all right, fine. We're doing this. Everybody I else. I think that justified is like, you're right, they're wrong. Right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we were wrong about this all along. Oh my God. You have to be the hero. <laughs> and I am just doing every persuasive trick out the wazoo. And then I pull a gun because almost nobody else in the group had managed to acquire firearms. Yeah. Uh, I was an FBI agent. So, hey, I can take guns into an airport. Um, yeah. So I'm pull, I pull, I draw on the group and I'm just like doing everything to throw down every bit of rhetoric to state that obviously this agent went nuts at the end and there's a poor woman stuck in there. She's going to die. And then Ross, you know, I'm still, Ross says, well, she starts rising out of the thing and I'm obviously wrong, but I'm a borderline personality, so I can't be wrong. <laughs> They're all backing up trying to figure out what to do because there's fumes coming out of this thing now. You know, we're all holding guns. So we're scared to shoot at her. I'm just like, how close are they, are they to the opening, Ross? What do you mean, Sean? How close are they to the opening? Is, is that a metal hatch? Yes. Happy birthday, Ross. <laughs> I open fire on the hatch to create sparks to set off the fumes. <laughs> because I'll I'll be the big damn hero and destroy it. Yep. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, all that splash gasoline, too. I help. spent a lot of time apologizing to players after that. Yeah. <laughs> so you can hear the fallout for that when we get post that actual play. Uh, oh, God, but that's a disadvantage. I mean, it didn't give your character any benefit whatsoever. Oh, but it was funny. But it, was, it made a more interesting narrative. <laughs> I was playing a character I wanted to see, a story I wanted to see in a show, as yeah. opposed to the maximum advantage that we'd engineered. Um, one simple failed role. I could have found some other way around it, but I'll... I'll pat myself on the back, you know. Yeah. I wanted to see where this went, and my goal is to – I'm riding this character off the cliff, all right? I'm seeing yeah. how far I can push him. And and, and, and to be honest with you, because to bring up another one potentially uh, for another anecdote too in this case, when we played Downslope uh, – 
Oh god, that and <laughs> and I lost six. Uh, was like thirty points in one go. It's like, yeah. yep. You know what? <laughs> yeah, sign me up, y'all. Yes, yeah, yeah, sign me up, y'all. I'll be a time. I'll, I'll be a time lord. What? <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 AP is out. So yeah. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, yeah. It's just there's just a lot of great APs if you go back and listen to. I mean, again, I'll point out a lot of the a lot of what the players did in. Uh, are we calling that two banners that campaign? A fallen flag. Yeah, fallen flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fallen flag campaign had a lot of great examples oh, yeah. of just a player going. Mm, well, I could do something that would be beneficial to the group, but no, I want that will point. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for that will point. Um, I think we all pulled that one. At some, at I think yeah, every it, that, was, that was because uh, will points turn out to be really useful in red mark, especially when you crit fail a dodge check or something. A lot like when you keep crit failing uh, it, or yeah, or those moments where like somebody decides to. <laughs> Decisions are made. I think you've already posted the one involving the Raiders and uh, something yeah. Amu did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, listen it, to Fallen Flag. Uh, it's great. But, yeah, player disadvantages make it more interesting game. I mean, right. the, that campaign would have been a lot more boring if you guys didn't weren't tearing at each other. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. Yeah. So, again, it builds character. It builds the actual stories you want to hear, the stories that you're okay telling somebody mm-hmm. that makes make it actually sound interesting to play as opposed to... Uh, but I built my character build this way so that I was uh, I was immune to fire, and the, he pulled. The GM had the nerve to pull a fire enemy. Ho ho! Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. And sometimes you can do that, but otherwise, don't feel fear failure. <laughs> let it let it benefit you. There you go. The uh, best words of wisdom from Aaron. Uh, <laughs> this is Raspy. This has been RPBR episode one thirty seven. JoJo's compelled aspect. Thanks for listening. Bye. Uh,